Welcome to Gloom Guide. This is Random Wolf, and I'm here once again with one of my dear friends, but this time instead of Ink Ghoul, who just recently got married, I'm with one of my other really dear friends. Goes by a few different monikers. I met him first as Mortis Knox in a video game, and often many times as Lucy in the Sky, 47J. But he's here today. I'm going to read him a story, much like I did Ink Ghoul a few weeks ago. See how he reacts to the various things, whether it's scary, a little fucked up, or any number of other things that might hit him a certain way. But first and foremost, welcome to the show, Lucy, and really glad to hear you. Have you? Thanks, man. I uh, appreciate being here. No, absolutely. Yeah, as you know, I've been wanting to get you on one of these things for a long time, so uh, it's like a little dream come true. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, my friend, I'm starting you with one called My Parents Live in the Attic. All right. So... Here we go. When I tell people online, they always jump to these three conclusions, depending on the subreddit they're on. One, that my parents are ghosts. Two, I already have a really classy attic. Or three, I'm lying. But I promise you, I'm not. I wouldn't lie to you guys. My parents are selfless. They do this for my well-being. I was a bit of a rascal as a toddler. Mom used to say that I did enough wandering for a lifetime in those two years alone. So I don't really rum around that all that much nowadays. They just wanted to make sure that the space I have is all my own. So a long time ago, they decided to let me have this entire floor all to myself. I've been here for like 20 years now. I grew up here. I'm safe here. They know this. They just want to keep me safe. And honestly, I love them to the world and back for that reason alone. I was about 17 when I heard my mom's voice through the door upstairs. It was hard to hear from my spot, but she sounded so happy. She was pregnant with my little brother. I could hear the tears in her voice when she described him. I'll be happy if he comes out healthy, but I'll be happier if he comes out smart, she'd joke. And I was so happy for her, for Dad, for all of us. They deserved it. I wondered after our, after our conversation if my brother would come live in the house with me when he got older. I was a little annoyed that I'd have to share my space, but Mom and Dad said that they didn't have to let my little brother stay with me if they didn't feel like it. I was so relieved when they saw that from my perspective. I mean, you guys get it, right? I'm way older. It'd be weird to constantly have to censor myself and like act super different just because I live in the same room as a little kid. This house doesn't have much. It's pretty open floor plan. It's not like I could hide away in any, whenever I wanted to, you know, just to do some adult shit. So Jake, my little brother, joined our family finally. I loved when they brought him down to visit. Even better, mom got her wish. Only wandering Jake ever did was from the house to the attic. He's still a little smarty now, though, too. Five years old, and he had the layout of the house memorized like the back of his hand. So last night, he comes down to visit with some dinner. He's still at that age where he stumbles through some words, but his sentences are usually clear as day. And then mom and dad went upstairs and got the pictures. I had to laugh at that. What upstairs, Jake? Can't get any more upstairs than the attic. But I let him continue with his story of looking through old photographs of our family and laughing on mom's lap. He stops, and I look up from my plate, and he fiddles with the chain. I ignore the chafe against my wrist. So mom asked and, and dad if I could go outside and play and they got really mad. Well, no shit, Jake. But I let him continue. I, I just I just said it was kind of bored at home and I didn't mean to be sound, sound rude. And he probably didn't. I didn't either. Back then. I, but it's too early to learn that you shouldn't throw a lit match into a loving home. He looked up at me for a moment with those adorable eyes, quivering lips and the whole nine yards, before casting his gaze down again. And mom, mom said if anything like that happened again, I could just stay in the basement here and be like you. I'm a bit selfish, I know. I love my personal space, but honestly, I wouldn't be mad if Jake joined me. Even if he does call this place the basement, it would suck to take care of him those first few months, and I would miss hearing his stupid little kid voice, but it gets lonely sometimes. 
I told her, no, he said after a minute. He picks up the rust of the chain and, sh and I, till I shake his hand off. Why does he always call this place the basement? I told her I wouldn't wander. I promised I wouldn't. Pinky promised. She was so happy. She said she wishes you were smart as me. He looked at once more. She said if you were smarter, you could have kept your legs and tongue too. And that's the end, my friend. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's a little bit of a turn, eh? <laughs> yeah, at the, at the very end, like, I was I was actually relating pretty heavily with it at first. I mean, just me personally, I live in a mixed house that, uh, you know, I kind of often refer to my great-great-grandparents as being here. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, looking after us. And then <laughs> at the end there, I was like, oh... Well, I mean, it kind of almost seems like they tied him up and, you know, uh, I don't know, yeah, maybe the, tortured him. Yeah, so, I mean, in the beginning, when you even have the entry, it's like, my parents live in the attic. It's like, okay, is this a ghost story? Is this right? Is this one of those where he's the monster who has his parents hostage as prisoners himself? And instead, it's the inverse. Is after all of this, you realize as a child, he was... He was maimed and abused and locked away and, and then conditioned to believe that he, in his own mind, in whatever way he repaired himself, to believe that he himself was actually the resident of the home and they were the ones in the small space. Yeah, it's a very, like, interesting way of, like, playing it out. I like whoever wrote it um, or however it was written. I, I like the play that they do with it. Because, I mean, I was fully like, oh, okay. You know, I was trying to call things out in my head and whatnot, but I like the really sudden turn at the end, just like jerking the wheel. Yeah, and there's a, there's a one other little inkling if if people if you, but you have to it's easier when you read it versus listening where you the mentions chain. the when he mentions the chain. Yes, that's yeah. the one other time, um, but the rest of it's mostly kind of setting up a lot of what we see with different types of abuse and Stockholm syndrome, and also it always makes me think of this one story I always heard about like. Elephants once up in the old days of the circus when they used to when they were little they couldn't break a chain that, so that by the time they're adults they wouldn't even think about trying it's just what they were used right. to and for him right. wearing chains being tongueless being legless being a prisoner in his home was the norm so he made in his mind he constructed this scenario where it's okay yeah where yeah. it's well um, and then like him in his head like we hear in his head that he's choosing not to speak. Right, right. Like he's he's holding back versus yeah, yeah. So everything we get is an inner monologue. Any dialogue we're getting, true dialogue we're getting from the little brother or the mother. Um, you know when she got pregnant and stuff. And right. So we yeah, it's like as you go through, it's short enough that you don't get a lot of time to uh to sit on it and let it simmer and go. Wait a minute, this guy hasn't said shit. But right. <laughs> no, it's one of these. There's so many of these that I find interesting that are like nautical horror or things. But man, I always come back to human and family horror that sometimes makes me ugh, the most. I mean, that yeah. one right there. I was more in like, like okay. I was trying to like in ghost, like more mm -hmm. ghost form because until the end, I heard the chain and I was like, hmm. But then until the end, I was thinking that it was some type of like ghost. And then once it hit, it was like the unsettling nature of child anything children related no um, dude it, it's it's definitely uh, really messed up man uh <laughs> really messed up um 
The funny thing is that one obviously was an incredibly short one. The it's other really one that interesting though. Yeah, yeah. Um, the weird thing is I had this other parallel one that was going with it. If you have just a have a second for me to load it in. I, yeah, I, yeah, thought, I, thought, I thought I had it in, but I did not. Here we go. Um, well, and oh man, that one gets me thinking so much. And those are the ones that I love the most. Like the ones that after the fact, you're really diving deep into the story, like like getting into a meal, you know? Well, and I wanted to see how we got through that one because this one was kind of, to me, uh, choosing an adventure whether I brought it in because it's, it's, I think you'll enjoy the parallels. This one's called My Wife is All Right. Okay. My wife is all right. I don't know why everyone keeps asking. Sure, the cancer came suddenly and aggressively, but she's had an amazing team of doctors who have done everything they can. That's a direct quote, too, from her main doctor, Dr. Andrews. He told me so himself. When I asked her to take, when I asked to take her home, and let her finish recovering from all our treatments, they seemed hesitant. I'm sure they would have loved to have been able to bill us for the rest of her recovery time spent in the hospital, but what she really needed was just to come home and recuperate. So they eventually agreed. The first night we got home and she was especially quiet. It must have been really strange for her to see the house again after so many months away. I helped her get comfortable in bed and decided to turn in myself. It had been so long since I was able to hold her as we drifted off to sleep. It's the most peace that either of us had for a long time. I woke up before her in the morning and began to make a big Saturday morning breakfast. Look, I knew her appetite would be small still, but I figured she'd appreciate the gesture. When I was finished, I went into our room and carried her to our table. After spending so much time lying sick in bed, her muscles must have atrophied. While we ate, I brought up the idea of having physical therapists come to help her again to get her mobility back. She stared at her plate, not saying a word. I could tell that I'd hurt her feelings, pointing out how illness had changed her once strong body to mere flesh and bones. I tried to redirect the conversation, but she wasn't hungry anymore. I took back her back to her room so we could rest a while. The next few months were hard on us. We tried to readjust to living together, but it wasn't as easy as it had been before. I still had to work my 9 to 5, and she insisted on going to bed as soon as I got home. Honestly, I was starting to get a little pissed off. I was doing everything under the sun for her, and I, she couldn't even humor me with just a little attention when I got home. I figured maybe she was depressed, being in our house, remembering our old lives together. Our son was across the country now, too, studying at college. His semester break was only a week or so away, so I called him up to ask if he'd be willing to come visit for a while, rather than stay at his apartment as he had planned. He was more than excited about the idea than I thought. He hadn't been home since the week his mother left the hospital, and I knew they missed each other terribly. They've always been so close. The day had finally arrived when I went to the airport to pick him up. We chatted the whole way home about his classes, his friends, and some new girl he was seeing. We were so deep in conversation, I almost missed our road. And then we almost missed our driveway a few moments, moments later. As we approached the house, my son began to act strangely. He claimed he could smell a dead animal somewhere, possibly under the porch. I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. And when I opened the front door, he began to gag. Dad, seriously, it smells like something's dead. Maybe it's in the wall. I really don't know what you mean, kiddo. Mom and I haven't smelled anything. You and mom? Yeah, did you forget? The doctors let me bring her home to recover. We were now standing inside the foyer, the stairs to our bedroom directly to the left. Go on up and see her. She's been waiting for you. And I fun my son's face contorted into a combination of disgust and fear. What the hell is wrong with him? I wondered as I followed David up the steps. When we were at the top, he slowly walked into our bedroom and let out the most bone-chilling scream I've ever heard. Dad, what the fuck? I mean, seriously, what the fuck? Oh my God, what the hell is mom's body in our goddamn bed? Jesus Christ, I knew you were having a hard time with her death, but this is just sick. 
David, what the hell are you talking about? I asked, slightly irritated, as I sat down beside my wife. I didn't know how she could remain so calm during all this. I, I gotta go. I'm gonna go. Jesus Christ, I think I'm gonna be sick. Dad, we gotta call someone. They're gonna, under, they're gonna understand. But you can't leave her here to rot. David started walking towards the stairs. He's lost his mind, I thought. I better stop him before he goes and gets call who, Lord knows who and gets himself locked up in the loony bin. I approached my son and tried to grab his arm. Get him to turn around and see what his mother was, that she was perfectly fine. But he flinched, hard. He was just so close to the edge of the stairs and he lost his footing. Even though it only took me a few seconds to get to the bottom of the stairs, there was already a huge pool of blood pouring from his head. Rest. That's all you need, Davy. Just a little rest. I hope you get cleaned up and back to your room. When I woke up this morning, the house was quiet. I peeked into David's room and he was still asleep. Must be tired from all those finals or maybe the long flight yesterday. I crept quietly into the kitchen, careful not to wake anyone else up. I wanted our big Saturday breakfast to be a pleasant surprise for them. As I cooked, I couldn't help but smile. My wife is all right. My son is all right. I, I'm all right. And that's it. <laughs> Good Lord, man. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. I love that one so much, but also just like... The unnerviness of what is it, morning? Yeah. Just, oh my god! And I like I, I feel so bad for that guy, but yet, in a weird way, slightly not, not envious, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what the right word for it is. But one day I'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, yeah, ignorance is bliss. There you go. All right, all right. He, there's, 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 okay. Envy might not be the worst way if you like explain. It. It's like envy of his ability to find some kind of serenity in this, um, right? Where his whatever mental break he had with the, the the passing of his wife put him in a place of perpetual bliss versus hell. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that the parallel between this and the, and the my parents live in the attic story, where it's kind of like leading you a certain way. Um, the way it, it we're, we're we're both the main the narrators are completely. Uh, completely out of their out of their wits and definitely yeah. not, not 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 written not remotely accurate on what's going on I, I think where it turns more for me in this case versus the other story where the guy is the victim completely is while he lost his wife he also killed his son through his uh ignorance and that's where that's where for me it turns to him being his his uh his his break led to true harm um right no man and i mean we're both we're, we're both very much uh very like as we talk about very much in the pocket of our wives i mean they are our best friends and so the idea of uh, I, I can empathize with that kind of literal living horror and hell of losing my wife um as i'm sure you can oh yeah 100 percent. and just like the what is it nurture the way that it it seemed like a uh a mental break that resulted in like a nurturing like effect and then you know of course the accident happens and then immediately again he goes back into nurture instead of it snapping him out of it is kind of a, a pull towards it right he was so I mean, far he was so far gone in in this uh it makes me think of so many things we see in like other fiction and books where they give you that like like when somebody maybe has like where they're being tempted by some kind of like reality that's not real of like a loved one they've lost or something that they want so desperately that people have to pull them back like but the thing is devouring them is literally hellish and monstrous and it might be this most disgusting looking hag who's like pretending to be the love of their life 
like right. about the, I mean like, Shallow Hal, even the the Harry Potter and the the Mirror. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just... well, and they're both mental states too. Like the way that they both interacted with it, such as I think I might be getting this wrong, but Jake, how he was okay, and, and Jake might have been the little brother, but the one that was tied up he was okay with it and he had taken his own blame from it whereas like the father it's almost like a lack of um uh i don't know well i mean and if we're picking this is a short story so i don't try to pick too many of the details apart one of the things that got me is how did he even really get the body into the house without people knowing with a few what would have been a funeral i mean unless because that because the reason i say this it's not that a person couldn't but if he's in a psychotic state where he's had a break it's Right. He's not, he's not gonna he's not gonna pretend to to gotten her cremated. They're not gonna have a right. service where he's involved. So it's kind of like that was that would have been my only criticism of the story is like I don't my mind goes to the beginning part where they where he gets to take her home and how that. Well, I mean, I guess I guess it could have been the um, last few days because I, I know that in at least a couple of things like a couple of real life stories that I've talk to people about they they do get to bring their loved one home for the Ooh. last few days right now that part i i feel he could do that's not the part but how does he do it without him without somebody asking like where if there's not a casket with the body then he would have still not gone through the process of cremation there was no cert it's like basically it infers that if ever nobody knew that she wasn't gone there was he would have like in his break he would have, to have been so delusional i'm not saying he couldn't have done it it's just oh, that his delusion okay. would have been so strong to go through the process where nobody would ask questions why there was no funeral or why there was no... Ser- and if there was a service, that means he was so far gone that he actually was a part of the planning of a funeral and that there was no body at this funeral, which means there was cremation. Well, and uh, I was failing to see this, but uh, his son knew that she was dead. So, yeah, yes. absolutely. Somehow this man got a, a corpse into his... In his, in his home without any, and then uh, everyone knows she's dead, which means there's no service. Or if there's a service, that there, there's some kind of construction of the service without a body. And the, and, and the funeral, generally, most of these, these kind of you know mortuaries are going to be a part of the whole process, the cremation and mm-hmm. the burial. So to, so to me, now, I don't know if the writer knows these things. I mean, I, I one of my distant relatives was our local mortician. So like I think a lot more of this stuff is much more like, and plus, you know, any of us who've had to plan these kind of sad situations or be a part of it know. But so maybe it was an ignorance thing or because it is a short story, it's one of those that if you really don't chew on it too long, short stories are really amazing unless you really think about them because you only have so much time to build. So I feel there's a great one. Um, Oh, absolutely. Both of them. Yes, absolutely. Um, This one hits me harder than the other one. The other one hits me in the abuse section a little bit. Like, you know, what, what, like when people try to control and put you into a, into a space and make you be what they want you to be. His mom wanted him to be smart, not wander. So she literally, and if you think of that in a symbolic way, like she, she took his legs in his mouth. She took his ability to move and speak away. And we've, and I'm not going to dive into it, but you and I've had a lot of talks about, uh, my, I'll just even speak for myself, like family and abuse and like emotional things. And, um, when you, when you imagine like the symbolism of what that can mean to a lot of us without going to the physical side of it, just what people try to do to make us be less, to make us be what they want us to be. That one hits me there. This one hits me in the loss of a wife. And then in this case, the other part where I'm always afraid, like, even if we don't talk about death, you know, there, I don't know how many times I would have once a ton of time worried about what it'd be like not to have my wife Tiff or in this case, losing my son. Both, oh, whether it be, whether it be to, to, oh. to mortal things or just like losing them. I mean, we live in a world full of divorce and things like that. So, well, yeah, I mean, I'd probably be naked in the middle of the woods. 
<laughs> oh, I mean, jokingly. I figured Naked in the Woods was uh, meaning that if we didn't have wives, I'd be there giving you massages while you're naked in, in the woods. I got you, brother. Absolutely. Your brother, Absolutely. Br- brother have a hot dog. That's, that's what I had naturally assumed. Fantastic, fantastic. Part of the conversation. I mean, I'll, I'll like let the rest of the uh, body hair grow out, and I'll go, I'll go full uh, cryptid yeti type in the woods. But yeah, yeah. Um, and you have all the lore, you have the whistlers, you have all this stuff. You just have the rambler. It's like it's 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 the wooded rambler. I'm just like muttering to myself while walking through the woods. <laughs> uh, well, 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 my friend, I appreciate you joining me in on this and, and giving some commentary to these stories. Uh, it's always good to have someone to bounce these things off of. And again, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Oh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate you letting me come on and do it. Absolutely. As our audience gets to know, we're all gloom guides together. We all guide ourselves through the darkness to the other side. Um, it's often okay to go into the dark, but most things are better done with a partner than alone. So I thank you for that. And to the rest of you, I'll see you on the other side.